Welcome to the Cultivating Leaders podcast from the Minnesota South District. This is our first episode, so thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Billy Schultz. I serve the district as Director of Communications and Mission Support. We're really excited to offer this podcast to you. Our mission statement as a district is to cultivate leaders intentionally engaged in the mission of God. And we hope that this podcast does just that, that it informs you and inspires you in your ministry as you're engaged in God's mission. We hope that you take this podcast with you, maybe as you're at home listening to it, or in your office, in your car, or even exercising. We want this to be a blessing to you. Each week, it's our goal to release new episodes and cover topics that are really useful and beneficial to you. We want this to be practical and informative and inspiring. So some of our episodes might feature our district staff members talking about their specific work areas. Some of our other episodes might focus on upcoming events, like our leadership summits in March and April, or our district convention in June. Other episodes will be interviewing workers and leaders in our district to hear about their life stories and their ministry, and maybe hear about some of the things that they're doing that your congregation could do also. We really want this podcast to be a blessing to you, so thank you again for listening. Our first episode here, we'll be interviewing Pastor Ben Griffin from Link Twin Cities. So I'm here with Pastor Ben Griffin of Link Twin Cities. He's the executive director. Uh, we're excited to have him be our guest today. Uh, ben, can you tell me a little about your background, how you got into ministry, uh, what your career's been like, and how you ended up at Link? Yeah, those are some big questions. So I'll just start at the beginning. I was the pastor's kid who said I'd never be a pastor. And uh, I married a woman who said she'd never marry a pastor. So we make a great pair. And uh, in my college career, uh, early on, I just felt the, felt the calling, like that the Lord was calling me to give my life, surrender it wholly and completely to him. And uh, that road led me uh, to go to the seminary and, uh, and then to eventually become a church planter. And so uh, I, my first call was Woodbury Lutheran in 2003. I was there for a couple years and then called from there to launch a church called The Alley in Cottage Grove. That church is about 10 years old right now and has daughtered two churches itself in that time. And uh, it's been a joy to be a part of that ministry and see God truly move us as our prayer was simply that we would follow Jesus and live love. And that's what we saw happen and, and take the gospel to the streets. And then now uh, my current role, about a year ago, uh, I was uh, offered the position of Link Director, City Director for Link Twin Cities. And so I'm doing that now. And I get to take all the things that I've learned and all the things I've been able to do and multiply that out. My job is to be a professional propellant for the gospel in the Twin Cities of in engaging and raising up new indigenous leaders to engage their communities with the gospel. And so we started a home uh, and we're in the process of developing this uh, for victims of human trafficking, a restoration home. Uh, we are working with some people starting life on life mentoring groups and we are church planting. In fact, this year alone, uh, we should have at least three new churches planted in the Twin Cities uh, urban area, and I'm hoping for many more. But uh, God is uh, God is moving, and it's been pretty awesome to be a part of. Yes, yeah, so so you so you made this transition from being a, a pastor of a church, yeah, to now leading this ministry. What was that transition like? What was um, how was God calling you in that to to make that shift in your ministry? Wow. Well, frankly, it was a terrifying call because uh, as a church planter. 
you live a lot of days thinking, well, if the church doesn't make it, well, that's okay, right? Or what will that mean? You just kind of have this kind of have to mentality. And then at about 10 years, we were just kind of getting to that point where I didn't think that way all the time anymore. And I was starting to get comfortable. And uh, that's a really dangerous thing, <laughs> at least uh, for me in ministry. And instead of, uh, instead of okay, here's what it's going to look like for the next five, 10 years, and we're kind of getting to the comfortable zone, it's called to a really dangerous place, which is to step out to a ministry that um, that was in a restart position, and uh, what are we going to do next? What does that look like? And all my safety nets were gone, and so that's where we are now, still walking by faith. Yeah. So you said Link is when you when you came into it was kind of a restart ministry, and and yeah. I know some people are probably familiar with yeah. how Link has evolved over the years, and, and yeah. different directors, different leaders uh, coming through it. How did you come in and 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 kind of shape where the ministry is at even today. Um, what processes did you go through? How did you develop this new vision and um, bring it yeah. to where it is now? Yeah, well, Link has been in the Twin Cities for about seven years, and it's always been in the missional forefront, started by Susan Hewitt. Uh, in fact, our first church plant, uh, the warehouse, was in started as a, a midway location in partnership with Link in those days. And then uh, following Sue was Gary, and then following Gary was Fung, and then coming to me. So uh, by no means did uh, did I start from scratch. And when I say restart, I don't mean anything they did before wasn't great, because it was. It was just uh, shifting the focus in the Twin Cities in a little bit different direction, recognizing the needs of the community, uh, recognizing uh, some of the callings going forward, and also seeing some things happening in other cities like Houston, uh, for example, uh, in, specifically with Link and Dallas, and learning from them what's really effective. And what we learned is that the best thing to do is to disciple, engage, and raise up indigenous leaders. That the best thing we can do is find those people who have a God-given calling and to do everything we can to invest in them with biblically, theologically solid training, with, uh, with the resources they need to get the job done. And for me, with every person I meet with and every one of these amazing leaders I get to walk alongside of, I'm basically kind of trying to figure out where they're at, what their calling is, and then looking at the toolbox and bringing the pieces to the table, either through networking or direct connection that they don't have. So uh, long story short, Link has... Link has been going for seven years now, and just in the last year, building off of the foundation of the past, uh, we've really focused into the new church, new starts, and raising up indigenous leaders focus. So how does that, that uh, church planting and, and raising up leaders focus, how does that work uh, in relationship with, with our district here, yeah. um, and, and even you know seminary education, things like that, that yeah. are kind of a part of our, our DNA um, what does that look like? Well, we have really enjoyed a great relationship with the district. Uh, so, for for example, um, when in Shakopee, there's this amazing ministry happening called Esperanza. It's alongside of New Creation Lutheran Church. And Esperanza is reaching hundreds of people in the Latino community there. And it's Latinos who are leading it and doing it. While the church there, New Creation, is a, a smaller church. It's been in a restart mode itself. And what we heard, uh, I was invited by the district to go and visit there with William Utech. And what we heard is, man, this is the smallest church in the community, but it has the biggest ministry happening. And, and we recognized, though, and they were struggling with, we have this ministry here, 
And it's reaching a lot of people, but what we don't have is a direct connect into the church life, into the worship life, because a lot of the people being reached speak a different language, and it's a different culture. And so the question asked of us uh, was, hey, do you know any Spanish-speaking pastors who could come here and help us out? And here's the really fun part about partnership is that as the district walks alongside of them, uh, we get to walk alongside of as well in the mix and just and, and bring our gift set to bear. And so the question I was able to ask there is, hey, do you have anybody here who has the potential to be a pastor? So a local indigenous leader. And the response was like, we have like four people who have that potential. Like, awesome. So we're going to bring the Link Bible Institute, Lutheran Bible Institute, uh, and start training those leaders, start walking alongside of them. And then in partnership with the seminary, we have a thing called the EIIT program. And that allows them to go through from the Bible Institute to seminary to ordination uh, all without having to leave the community they're already doing missions and work in. And it's a pretty awesome thing. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal, yeah, to be able to have people who know the yeah. community, who speak the language, be able to impact them with the gospel. It is amazing. And, and Jorge there, one of the guys we're talking with, he goes, well, what would it mean for me to be a pastor? Like, what would be different? And I was like, well, probably a few things, but what are you doing right now? And he's like, well... You know, people are always coming over to our house for help. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm serving here and I'm helping these people in their life there. And I'm like, well, frankly, Jorge, not a lot's going to be yeah. different, except you're going to be ordained, you're going to be preaching, and you're going to be uh, taking what you're already doing to the next level. So it was pretty cool to see. That's super cool. Yeah. So wh- what are some other stories of, of people that you're working with that you can share uh, how God's been using this ministry to uh, impact new leaders and uh, new, new starts? Yeah, well, I, the story needs to be told of what the Ethiopians are doing in the Twin Cities and across mm-hmm. the United States. Most people probably don't know this, but right here in the Twin Cities, we have these amazing leaders, Pastor Demolesh, who is an LCMS called pastor, and Girma, and he's just a layman who's in partnership. And they run an organization called OELMS, a Romo Evangelical Lutheran Mission Society. That organization and Link um, are very tightly bound together. In fact, in the Twin Cities, we really operate as one organism. And just yesterday, we were doing some official work with them to get things off the ground and going. But they are in the Twin Cities here planting multiple churches in, and not just here, but across the United States and even touching other countries. So I was talking to Demolesh this week and I said, well, what's your plan for this year? And he, he's talking about three new uh, church plants in the Twin Cities this year, and we're working in conjunction with them to help make that happen. On top of that, he's talking about a church in Sacramento, in Atlanta, uh, in uh, we're talking about maybe Milwaukee, in San Diego, in Canada, Toronto, in Australia, <laughs> and in Ethiopia. That's just 2018, mm-hmm. and it's just phenomenal to watch. And Pastor Demolesh, his church maybe has 20 or 30 people there in worship on a Sunday evening, uh, but they have sent pastors that they have raised up all over the United States um, to start new churches. And these are all in conjunction, hand-in-hand with LCMS churches and walk hand-in-hand with them uh, theologically and um, and in ministry. And it's been really cool. So 
So really getting the joy of walking alongside of them and helping move that forward. Uh, some of the things happening in the Twin Cities this year that are pretty exciting. Uh, one is that we're going to develop our own local Bible Institute. Up to this point, we've been doing a distance ed thing with Houston, but we really we see the talent and the the uh, value of the local community having that. The second thing we're going to be doing is an urban school of church planting. And as far as I know, uh, there is no school of church planting specifically for urban, poor urban environments mm. that is happening. And uh, we will be doing that this fall, and I'm very excited for what that brings. So it sounds like there's a lot of excitement behind church planting. Yes. Um, what, what can kind of our established... Um, Anglo churches learn from this fervor. I mean, it sounds like the Romo church is just booming, yeah. and there's a lot of excitement. Um, the Holy Spirit's at work through that ministry to give them this momentum. Yeah. Is there anything that we can take away for for established churches to learn? Hey, here's some things to think about as you're you know looking at reaching your community. Well, they have such a fire for the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'm not saying that our established churches don't, but uh, they do f- have a have-to mentality about taking the gospel to the street and to their community. So I was talking to one uh, local leader who I was working with, and uh, he comes from a Muslim background. And he was a Muslim convert in adulthood, and most of his mm-hmm. church are Muslim converts. And he just said to me, like, would you help me reach my home community with the gospel? And I think there's just something beautiful about that pure desire to reach his home community with the gospel. And I know we have that in our existing churches, but I've noticed that as our churches get more established, as organizations get more established, we we can drift away from that. There's another great local uh, pastor uh, that I'm working with. Uh, Dinku is his name. He just finished the colloquy program. We're trying to figure out the best spot for him to go and lead ministry. And he is doing doctoral work, and part of his thesis is that the hope of Christianity in the United States is from the diaspora in Africa, that that these young and on fire pastors with deep theological knowledge are coming to the United States, and they are the seedbed and the foundation of what he thinks is the future hope of the church in the United States. That's pretty awesome to see, and his work on that is fantastic. That's really encouraging. Yeah, because we see so many instances of where the church is growing and growing by leaps and bounds in Africa. And to be able to kind of take some of that and use that to catalyze what we do here is just, that's a gift. It really is. And it's been such a gift to be doing this. I think last year when I got going, we were talking to about three or four leaders. Right now I'm working regularly with 30 different leaders in the Twin Cities uh, who have different gospel callings, and we're just helping move them forward. Hmm. That's awesome. So you said there's a, this urban church planting institute yeah. starting yeah. up in the fall. What is yeah. that going to look like? How is that going to be structured? Is this one of those yeah. things that... Um, anyone who's got a passion for urban ministry can uh, become a part of, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, we're, this is specifically for new church starts in urban environments, and so what we're looking for are the leaders of those churches, but no one can come to the training alone. They have to bring at least one other person mm-hmm. who's on team with them uh, to come to it, uh, and it is designed specifically to equip with the tools and the knowledge necessary to build a plan and get that new church started. And so 
Uh, I'm very excited about that. It'll, pro- it'll, it'll probably be a weekend in the fall, but we might do a couple weeks, uh, like, a, like once a week uh, deal, depending on how the details play out. But um, it's a very exciting thing. So if your heart is to start a new church in the city, the first thing we're going to do is say, who else has God called to do that with you? And then we want to equip your team, bring coaches alongside of you who will go through that training with you and then walk with you after that um, event. So... It's pretty exciting. Yeah. How long of a program do you anticipate that being? Uh, the follow-up uh, or the actual uh, event itself? Uh, the actual program. So some so yep. a team comes to this. Yeah. Is this a process they walk through for um, a course of months or is it, you know, well, more the, like years that they go through and that's a great get question. coached? And, it's and a little learn. bit of both. Okay. Because the meeting together is an intensive uh, where you really dive deep and that is going to be like a... Uh, all day Saturday, all like a, a weekend basically mm. of time. And that might be spread out or it might be all on one intensive weekend. And then the coaching piece is ongoing after that intensive uh, to really walk through. And it's a really good program. It's designed to say, hey, here's your plan. It's like a pray, see what the Lord is leading you to, plan and move after it, and then review. Is this, how are things going, where we're at, and then circle back. Pray, plan, review, and just keep circling over and over. And so we uh, will not only be doing the intensive training to get things going, but we'll be walking with people through that cycle of review and movement along the way. Very cool. So you've mentioned um, some of the other cities that Link is involved in. What is that relationship like with Link being part of the big uh, international umbrella? How has that changed and uh, enhanced the ministry? Well, it's been really nice because... Different cities uh, have different strengths, and different leaders in those cities have different strengths. And so, for instance, Aaron Putnam out in the Bay Area is doing a great job of reaching the next generation. And we see this a lot with our immigrant populations, where that second generation, they, are, they relate more with American culture than they do with their, their originating culture. And so how are we helping them to be the disciple leaders of the next generation? And he's got some great stuff going on there. So we're watching that. We get to learn from that and then bring that uh, to, to here, already tried and tested and connected uh, and, and uh, it had, with good results. And so Houston's the same thing. They have the Bible Institute. We've kind of done stuff distance. Now we've learned from that. Now we can bring that here and do it, do it on our own. Milwaukee is another place the link is in the United States. And mostly link is in the United States. And then through these local leaders, as we invest in them, they invest in their home countries. And that's, uh, that's really the connection that we have primarily internationally. It's uh, internationals right here in the United States. That's so cool. And we have a blessing here in the Twin Cities of being a place where there are so many different immigrant groups still coming. Um, These communities are growing, they're changing. Like you said, the next generations are becoming more assimilated. Mm -hmm. Um, What what do you think are some of the things in the future that are going to be needs as these immigrant groups continue to grow, um, as you know, our churches respond to the needs that they have, um, you know, refugee groups might come in, uh, things like that. What, uh, what does that future look like, do you think? Well, it, it Minnesota is an amazing place. Uh, sometimes, like, people will ask Africans or people coming from uh, those warm climates especially, why do you come here, <laughs> right? And the answer that I've heard many times is that what people hear abroad is that in Minnesota, the weather is cold, but the people are warm uh, and are welcoming. And I think one of the best things we can do in our local churches 
is be welcoming to these leaders and to these churches. And one area I've been working in a lot, and uh, we see this happening in St. Michael's in Bloomington. We see this happening in other churches. I'm in conversation with other pastors about opening the doors. Is is an existing church that's hosting an immigrant church, but not just sharing building, sharing ministry together. Mm. And when that happens, it's really one church. And if you talk to our brothers in the OELMS, the Romo Evangelical Lutheran Mission Society, their 25-year plan is not that we have all these Romo-speaking churches worshiping in LCMS churches. Their goal is that those churches start in separate language worships, but in 20, 25 years, they merge and become one ministry altogether. They see what happened when the Germans immigrated here, and they're learning from that and saying, we want to follow that similar pattern. And it's very powerful to watch. That's so cool to think about these future multi-ethnic churches. Yes. Um, Kind of that picture of what heaven's going to be like. yeah, because we do have a lot of homogenous churches. That's, we do. Um, that's not condemning anyone for anything, but it's definitely a challenge when we have these growing immigrant populations and, and this growing ethnic diversity uh, to be seeing the people of God come together, regardless of skin color or language yes. or country of origin. That's um, so true. And, and our city here has the just has an amazing diversity of people coming from all over the place. I've mentioned the Oromo Ethiopians, 40,000 Oromo Ethiopians here, 80 plus thousand Somalis, and almost all of them are Muslim. Huge opportunity there. We're the largest population of Hmong in the United States, of Liberians. Haven't even talked about them yet and all that we're doing with them uh, and looking for churches that would host and work with them as well, uh, the, the Latino community. And we could just keep going on and on. Uh, Chinese, the Indian community coming from India, et cetera. So I, just, I praise God for this place. Place that he has us, and uh, I hope people have their hearts and minds open to connecting. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Liberia. Uh, you recently went on a trip there. I did. Uh, what was that? What was that experience like? Why? Why did you go? And uh, yeah, how did that? Um, how's that part of your ministry? Well, that was awesome, and it was my first time in Africa, and so I learned all sorts of stuff, and it was such a joy because I went with people from Africa. And that's the best way to do it because you don't get the Americanized, you know, surface version where like we go to my friend Ben's like sister's house. And so there's naked kids running around and chickens everywhere. It's like, no, this is real Africa. And it was really cool. And I, I was just so uh, moved by the people there. And the reason we went was to invest in local leadership there. So we're investing in local leaders here in the Twin Cities. These people from Liberia have a love for their home country. And so by investing in them, we therefore are also investing in their home country. So I just went to help the efforts and work that they're already doing there. And they were, they were teaching local pastors about the word of God and how to lead biblically and with theologically sound teaching and also to develop self-sustaining ministries so they're not dependent on American money. And it was really eye-opening because in especially Western Africa, Liberia, it's very prosperity gospel and very Bible light. And so one of the first questions we had in our training with the pastors was, is Allah God? Um, and so it was like, okay, we're going way back to the basics and, uh, and just building from there. And so just bringing in theologically sound teaching, investing in these leaders as they invest in leaders locally uh, was really, really, really powerful. And uh, it was a good thing. And you got to meet some of these local guys, Matthew and Ben and the Liberian community, Fofana, uh, just amazing leaders. 
what does that look like uh, here in in the Twin Cities with with our growing Liberian population? Um, are there going to be some churches planted yeah. um, with that group, uh, even here locally? So what I have learned is that the best way to begin a missional movement is to start with the foundation of prayer. And so what we're working on right now is bringing those Liberian pastors together in the Twin Cities who have a heart for reaching people with the gospel. And we're just praying. We're praying about God, where God will lead next. And then the next step is to raise up some leaders from within the community and give them the training they need to start new churches. And that's exactly what we're working on. That's very sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So... You know, um, churches here in the Twin Cities and even throughout Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, Blink can be a resource for them Yes, in, in probably a, a myriad of ways. What are some of the ways that if a church came to you and said, you know, we'd like to do such and such ministry, what are, what are some of those ways Link partners with our churches? Yeah, well, we are, our name, Link, I mean, we link people together. So uh, we don't feel that we need to be the conduit for everything, but we can help connect uh, churches, both rural and city churches, to uh, some of these local leaders and what they're doing. So if your church just wants to adopt a local pastor or a local gospel-centered leader, uh, we would love to help facilitate those connections. If your church has the ability or openness to utilize your space for another church that you could be in partnership or ministry, we'd love to help facilitate that. If we can just come and help build awareness, talk about the Muslim community and how they're being reached with the gospel, um, we would love to do that. Just come preach at your church or Come share some of those stories. Come introduce some of them. If you uh, are a very musical church, there are some amazingly beautiful styles of worship and instrumentation that are connected with our ethnic pastors and leaders, and we'd love to, uh, we could bring them too. And then I'll just say, I say this a lot, like what I get to do is push the swing forward, like the the big underdog. If somebody has a missional calling and a gospel to start a church or start a ministry that reaches people with the gospel. So if I can just help, if we at Link can just help push the swing to help get you going, uh, we don't, we have no desire to own the end result. When you got your own momentum, great, and we'll move on and put the next push in and the next push in. So that's, uh, that's kind of a summary, although if you've got some other ideas of how we can connect, please reach out. We'd love to talk. Yeah, and I think you make an important point there that's not just for urban congregations or even suburban, Right. that it's really for a connection with, with the whole district and right. where we sit here in Burnsville. Um, we realize that that in outstate greater Minnesota, there's lots of things happening in our communities with immigrant yes. populations and, and the need to really um, invest in new leaders yes. uh, to reach these communities. So uh, it's important, yeah, that our, that our rural congregations realize that, hey, there's a resource here um, that they don't have to feel like they're on their own or kind of floating, kind of grasping at straws, but here's a resource for them. Um, to really invest in some good ministry opportunities. Oh, that's so true. And really the focus of Link is reaching unreached people groups. And those come in many forms and colors and cultures. And they are in our rural communities and in our urban communities. So we're focusing a lot on the urban because when the city changes, so does the society. Uh, but that isn't exclusive. In fact, in partnership with the district, we were just out in Austin, Minnesota, having some conversations about how uh, we might be helpful in stirring up some ministry and equipping leaders there as well. That's really huge. So what are some of the things that uh, that you're praying about right now and yeah. some ways that people can pray for you and Link um, in this kind of the second year of your ministry there? 
Yeah, the first year for me was just kind of really refining the vision. Why are we here and what are we doing? But now this second year is really deploying into what God's called us to. And uh, I heard uh, Girma was just talking yesterday to me about how uh, the waves of the ocean, like sometimes like God just gets you caught up in a wave of movement. And right now God is moving and stirring new things in our community. And he's the one. He's the one we follow. He's our authority. He's, he's our Lord. He's, he's the one who does all of this. And so right now that, that wave is moving. And my prayer is simply that, that the Lord would help us to be the best leaders we can be to accomplish the things he wants us to accomplish. And it's as simple as that. And if you would like to partner with us in any way, we would love to do that. Uh, and uh, we are here to help in any way that we can. That's awesome. What, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or just uh, even see what Link's about, um, yeah. your website, email, all that? Yeah, I would start by checking out the website. The easiest way to go is to go to link, L-I-N-C dot O-R-G. Then you can see Link overall, but then you can drill down into the Twin Cities and you'll see a couple of videos there, an amazing testimony from Demolash who we talked about. Uh, there's a video up there about um, about what's happened in that trip in Liberia, at least a high excuse me, high-end version. And uh, we also have some more pieces that are coming uh, talking about and capturing the stories of other leaders in our community. So just praise God for that. That's awesome. Thanks a lot, Ben, for uh, being here today. And uh, God's blessings on your ministry as you uh, raise up leaders uh, to reach communities with the gospel. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother.